11 weeks ago, Kelly and Siobhan were TM dead in Rio. Alex and Adam got lost in Buenos Aires. Ernest and Jim were alone in San Antonio de Arico. Jasmine and Danielle lost the slowest foot race in the world in Victoria Falls. Cindy and Rick were sarcastically clapped into The Hague. Tanner and Josh hobbled out of the race in Agro. Denise and James Earl were begging for a reprieve and ending wedding party. And Tiffany and Krista sank in Macau. Welcome to the final Amazing Race 27 recap episode of the UR Team Number Podcast. My name is Michael Helmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who memorised the African flag when he was just a young boy, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. And the Australian who would pay anyone $100 to make them let her win the Amazing Race, Michelle Pierce-Denovan. <laughs> Morning. Uh, you can tweet us directly at Yattencast or using the hashtag Yattencast, and you can email us at yattencast at gmail.com. And... After 10 countries and 34,000 miles, we have our winners, and predictably it was the reporters, Kelsey and Joey. Are you pleased? Mm, I'm okay. It's not a bad outcome. I, I can live with it. Going into this finale, it was very much like the season 12 finale, where there were three teams, and I wasn't particularly rooting against any team to lose, so we essentially got the TK and Rachel uh, outcome, I think, out of the three. So, I mean, it, it's it's a satisfying end overall, but there there were better options, I think. I would say that regardless of who won, the winning team of this season was always going to be sort of top half of winners. You can do a lot worse than any of these three teams. Freddie and Kendra. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, KK Kendra. I forgot her real name. Regardless of who won the season, they were always going to be the best winners of the year. You mean better? You mean better than Tyler and Laura and Gino and Jesse? Yes. Leading into our year in review podcast, which, spoilers, is going to be the next one that we do. Yeah, I would say that regardless of who won, and it was Kelsey and Joey, they were always going to be the best winners of the year. The bar was set pretty low. It hasn't been a vintage year for winners. We needed another Australian season, that's all we needed. The Australian winners have never been spectacular. I know we're not going to go deep into this because, you know, spoilers for Logan, but the Australian winners have never been glorious compared to some of the options we've had. Well, yes, yes. But yeah, we did need another Australian season just so it could be heartbroken at any boot, like I was with Australia too. <laughs> so, previously, 11 teams left Venice Beach on a race around the world. South America brought exhilaration, frustration and tears. Africa saw teams face both predators and their biggest fears. Teams flew and begged through Europe before a trip to Asia brought down two fan favourite teams. Eight teams fell by the wayside and three remained. Justin and Dianette stumbled due to a trap fast forward in the first leg, but they won seven legs and overcame a U-turn plot before a costly mistake in leg 11 gave them a 55-minute penalty and nearly lost them the race. Uh, Logan and Chris made their share of mistakes and argued... A tiny bit, but battled together and managed to break Justin and Diana's record consecutive win streak. Kelsey and Joey allied with Justin and Diana, but couldn't beat them, also setting a record for consecutive second place finishes. And did you notice that Phil's entire intro was just about Justin and Diana? No one else mattered to him. At all. Uh, that pretty much goes for this whole season, or even this finale. It's just incredible that Joey and Kelsey end up winning <laughs> this season. And yet here in the finale, they get barely any airtime as all we see is Logan and Chris fighting and then Jess and Diana trying to catch up after their early mistake. My favourite thing is, despite the fact that Phil's intro, which took like two minutes of the episode at the start, being all about Justin and Diana, he didn't even mention Justin and Diana being the US consecutive win holders. No team in US history has won five legs in a row like Justin and Diana have. And yet he didn't mention it. He mentioned Joey and Kelsey's record-breaking streak, but he didn't mention Justin and Diana's one. The record-breaking mm. streak of not winning. <laughs> I don't know. They're just so bland. They're, they're vanilla. There's nothing going on there to get excited about. 
they're nice and they allowed Phil to do a terrible pun when they checked in as winners. Hey, Michael, I have a question. And actually for any listener out there, I believe at the very, because at the end of the season, the winners always get uh, get the last say before they cut to the final credits. And Joey and Kelsey, I believe, only got a total of ten words at the very end. <laughs> Is, that, that's got to be a record. I can't think of any end to any season where the winning team gets ten words. It was literally one sentence, and that was it. And then it was just over. Hasn't there been a case where it was one of the Cowboys seasons, I think? I can't remember whether it was 18 or 24. One of them ended with the Cowboys, despite the fact they hadn't won. Must really? Have been 18, yeah. There's definitely an anomaly okay. where the Cowboys were the last ones to speak in a season. I can't. Yeah, I would it assume was. it was 18 because with producers and the casual viewers, I can't see them burying Dave and Connor, but from what I gather from Unfinished Business, I could see them doing that with Keisha and Jen. So I'm thinking it was Unfinished Business. But out of the seasons that do end with the winners, which is every single one in any franchise ever, being limited to ten words told combined between all the teammates is pretty sad. <laughs> While <laughs> Justin and Diane, I think, got like multiple confessionals after the finish line, as well as the long interview, and then Logan and Chris getting a long interview, and then all Joey gets is putting on Ernest's chain <laughs> and Kelsey's little bit at the end. To be fair, he did suit that chain, and it did bring us back to him being horrendously white from France. We should have had a reprise of the French rap from Kelsey and Joey as their winner's signal. Yes, and they have to put on their monogram hats. We have at least one question about hats. Anthony Williams was very obsessed with hats this week. Really? I missed it. I missed well, the it. New York Fire Department is also obsessed with hats, if I recall. <laughs> so, teams had to head to uh, Long Island, New York, or actually they had to fly to Queens because that's where JFK is, and find the Fire Department New York training facility on Randall's Island to find their next clue. And shockingly, Justin and Dana have been there before. They both practically live there, well, Justin is from the Bronx originally. And uh, they don't have their bags. They have left their bags in Asia. No, they probably checked their bags in as luggage and then just went back to JFK afterwards and you know, collected them. Mm. Whereas the, the other two teams had a bag each. Yeah, because Jody and Corey are a great example of this. They checked their bags in in one about leg eight, I think, in Canada one, because that's where Jody was from. They checked them into left luggage and then just went back for them a couple of days later when Jody flew back in. I wish uh, Denise and James Earl made it to the final leg and uh, put their bags behind just uh, so Denise could say, We're bagging! <laughs> I do like that the one thing they showed us of Denise and James Earl in this entire episode was just her going, We're begging! <laughs> oh, children! Oh, I'm going to miss that. Thank God we've got the year in review so I can crack out all these impressions again. Because you know damn well that Logan is going to be coming back. <laughs> you know what the worst part about this finale is? Like, people say, oh, you know, Joey and Kelsey... Winning, that's super boring, and uh, another bland dating couple. I think Ben said on online that it was a uh, bland dating couple number 419 that won the season. But, but what's much worse than this is that, Michael, you, you promised this last week, but they didn't do an intro for the finale. What the hell is that about? I know, I was so expecting that, because even with Survivor this week, we're going to get the full intro, I suspect. Especially as it's a season where they voted everyone in. But yeah, we didn't even get an intro after episode one. What the hell? So funny. There was no intro, and I thought, Michael and Logan are going to be up in arms. Worst season ever. 
instead of an intro, we instead get 30 seconds of Tyler Oakley at the end of the finale. That's a wonderful trade. Please, please don't mention that that name again. <laughs> Ever. I need to come up with a euphemism so I never have to talk about him. <laughs> Call him Oakles. Hashtag Oakles. Spoilers for next season, I'm not looking forward to having to talk about him. Or Tokles, because you'll probably have to toke just to have some sort of high to level uh, get yourself into into that tranquil state of mind to put up with Tyler Oakley on the amazing race. Maybe we'll get Sarah from Big Brother Canada 3's opinions on Tyler Oakley every week. Uh, and Justin refuses to pay $100 for the taxi to stay with oh. him. Why? And Why? consider that touch paper lit. <laughs> Michelle, fire away. Fire away. Oh my god, the people on the Facebook pages, on several Amazing Race Facebook pages, are saying that he was cheap. And I don't understand why they can't see that he didn't know if he needed money for the rest of the race. He's not going to give all his money to the cab driver then. And people are saying he is cheap. They just don't, they don't get it. And it's driving me insane. There's a fun fact about that taxi driver. Did you know that earlier on in the leg, uh, Logan and Chris had the same taxi? This was unaired, of course. And Logan was only willing to offer the cab driver $20 as opposed to 100 That cab driver wanted more, too. He, kept, he, he asked for more. And I, I was just, I laughed when he said, tip. I thought, are you, are you kidding me? And so many people are for the taxi driver, and I just don't understand their thinking. I couldn't say this when I sent Justin a message saying, basically, congratulations for being second place. Yeah, typical New York. New York is a very expensive place. I know I'm going to get a message off Justin as soon as he hears me saying this, but yeah, New York wasn't great to me when I was there a few years ago. After, yeah, after the $100 in the tip, I think he was probably going to ask for Justin and Diana's firstborn child as well. <laughs> yeah, out of... Probably 20, 25 cities that I went to in America in 2013, New York was by far the most expensive, especially hotel-wise. I can't say I'm wonderfully surprised. That swagger is expensive. That You know, you gotta, you got to pay for the swag. Got to pay for the swag. But then we get the roadblock here, which is who wants to play with fire? Michael Scoopin wants to play with fire. He would be great for this roadblock. And in this roadblock, one team member must take part in a training drill and rescue a dummy before facing their first memory challenge. And, as we've mentioned all season, they've been messing around a little bit with the structure of the entire season, in terms of having two keep on racing legs, and having first leg fast forward for the first time since season four. This is the first final leg since, I want to say, 17? That hasn't had two roadblocks? Oh yeah. Oh, I hadn't noticed. And also, three memory challenges. I yeah, like the three memory it. challenges. None of which were spectacular. They weren't tricky. Unless you were Logan and Chris. They could have made it a bit tougher, though. They could have added in, like, three or four extra flags and, I don't know, throw in several more helmets of random capital cities. So they could have made it so much tougher and make it a true balls-to-the-wall final leg, so to speak. But it's Justin, Chris, and Joey doing this roadblock, and Chris is winded, as he tells his instructor multiple times. I'm winded! Logan! <laughs> he was being a warrior, not a warrior, with his oxygen levels there. To be fair, it was pretty horrible of them to just strap an oxygen mask on him straight up after he just said that he was winded multiple times. That was kind of a bit mean. It's like, yeah, you can't breathe now? Have an oxygen mask. You won't be able to breathe in a minute. <laughs> 
And I was very impressed by this task just for the fact that the cameramen would have had to do this as well. Yeah. yeah. But it would yes. probably be even much, much more grueling for them. Well, didn't they have helmet cams too, though? Yeah, but the cameramen are the unsung heroes in terms of the Amazing Race. I don't know whether you saw the article that was released when Amazing Race Canada 3 went to India and how many bottles of water that the entire crew, including the cameramen, went through. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, these people had to do this, probably in all the fire gear as well, at least. They probably thought, okay, what the hell do I have to do now? They w- I doubt they would have, well, they didn't go into the actual room with fire, but they still had to climb the ladders and stuff with, like, a 25-pound camera plus all the other gear that they'll carry with them. They should have hired Alfred from the Lego Batman series, or the Lego Batman video game, where if he's holding the tray, he can walk through fire. So they could have just hired Alfred to uh, be the camera operator for that, just as long as he's holding the tray. And we get to see a glorious image of Chris dropping his dummy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we get we get Justin just dropping it perfectly on the first attempt, and then Chris Head nearly decapitates first... it. <laughs> Head first on the pavement. If that was a real rescue, that person, it's like, oh, thank God I got out of that burning building. But oh man, that pavement was a doozy. I'm done. <laughs> We were going to treat you for smoke inhalation, but now we have to treat you for a broken spine as well. Sorry, kid. Better off just being left in the burning building after how Chris handled the person. <laughs> Such a spine search and rescue attempt. After the uh, the fire challenge, the team members who completed the roadblock have to arrange the capital cities of all the countries that they visited to receive their next clue. And did you notice the NPC that was watching this bit of the task? No. Which was the eight-foot Dalmatian. Oh, yeah, the Dalmatian. Oh. The Dalmatian was awesome. <laughs> I know Dalmatians are fire dogs, traditionally. When I used to play Nintendogs, if you were looking for a Dalmatian, you were looking for the fireman's hat, and then that would unlock the Dalmatian. But for some reason, they had the, a guy in a Dalmatian costume just watching the teams do this task. The Dalmatian should have entered the burning building. I don't think the Dalmatian would have dropped, dropped the dummy on the pavement head first. I wonder what Chris. What would happen if Chris had to like do the Amazing Race for a uh, save a drowning person challenge? You know, just drag the person in from the water back to the beach, and then just accidentally kick sand in their eyes uh, once back to shore. I wonder what Chris would have been like with the fast forward in Amazing Race Four, where he had to carry a tray of uh, drinks through the waltzing ballroom. He would get it across, and then. Uh, Probably like slip on the dance floor while walking back to retrieve the clue, and then all of the waltzing couples just topple on top of him. <laughs> Do you notice that the fire chief had an Australian accent? Yeah, the no. fire chief. It wasn't even a New Yorker accent. It sounded very Aussie to me. I'll have to go back and look. Uh, so Justin is the first to leave with Joey in second and Chris in third, and teams must now make their way to the location of the final race of the Triple Crown, Belmont Park, to find their next clue. And then we get probably the most important thing of the entire episode, because this determines who wins, basically. And this is the taxi intrigue, because of course Justin and Diana are the first ones to leave, as they are every single task in the entire race. And they manage to not only scare away, or not only leave their own taxi, but scare away Logan and Chris's. <laughs> <laughs> here's what i'm thinking because they said oh do you know where the belmont is and maybe maybe the reason why the taxi driver was scared is he was thinking of simon belmont from castlevania so he just freaked out and said i'm not going to that place and then just uh, drove home 
had no idea. He had no idea that uh, Justin and Diane were referring to the racetrack. And then, because Logan and Chris are fun like that, they try and steal Joey and Kelsey's taxi, who were the only taxi left. And I happen to know there's a little bit of unaired stuff in this bit, as you might have guessed from Logan and Chris's amazing argument. Joey apparently said, what the fuck are you thinking, to Logan and Chris. <laughs> Which is nice. Well, they did keep the part in about Joey wanting to tear uh, tear Logan and Chris's ass out of the taxi, which would have been interesting if, if that had uh, escalated further. Imagine Justin and Diana winning by default when the other two teams <laughs> in a final three get into a physical altercation. <laughs> yeah, physical. <laughs> Logan, Joey's tearing my ass out of the taxi. Joey, Kelsey. <laughs> Bertram! <laughs> Can you imagine the two teams getting a 24 hour penalty because they have a physical altercation at the finish line? <laughs> Joey won't keep his hands off of me! Joey, stop touching me! <laughs> Every time I do that impression, it gets more and more Rupert Bonham. John! Who the fuck voted for me? Death and rot! Stop it! Logan's spunkiness couldn't keep them in the taxi, I guess. If only Logan was more spunky. So, yeah, Logan gets a little bit frazzled. And that was a lot of F-bombs. I think this is the mo- most... This has got to be the highest count of censored F-bombs between one team in a single episode to, to actually be aired on on TV. Usually they just... I remember we've talked about it before, but with Nixon and Jennifer in uh, season 12, that uh, they curse so much that producers say, we just can't include it in the episode that much, even if we bleep it out. You guys have to... St- you, have to you guys have to have less of a potty mouth. And then here we are, you know, 15 seasons later, and they just they just bleep out all the F-bombs that Logan and Chris utter in those few minutes after the stolen taxi. To be fair, I think Max and Elias probably would have got to that point had they not been first boots. Yes, that we, is true. We were promised Malias being a little bit sweary. <laughs> uh, so Justin and Dana and Logan and Chris end up both getting buses to Manhattan to try and find um, taxis. And they go in opposite directions, and Logan and Chris's is the correct direction, making them second place. And once teams get to Belmont Park, they have to fly to the Hamptons by helicopter to find their next clue. And Chris ends up running the rest of the leg with no shoes. What what is that about? <laughs> Why wouldn't he keep his boots on? Seriously. Maybe they were uncomfortable. Yeah, but it's better than nothing. They might have been too small for him. At least okay. they were hanging out at the beach for the rest of the leg. He got really lucky that way. Yeah, he did. At least he didn't have to like run through the streets of, you know, downtown New York City. That would have just that would have been a nightmare. To be fair, he probably would have caught something had he run through the streets of New York City in barefoot. Oh yeah, with how much garbage there is on the streets? And probably broken glass. Yeah. And did you notice what Justin said when he found out they were getting helicopters again? Get to the chopper! Get down! Yes! <laughs> I heard that and I was like, I've got to make Logan say that. <laughs> <laughs> it was either me or Triumph the Insult Dog. It was going to be one of the two. Did you hear what Justin's idea of uh, the name of someone who lives in the Hamptons would be. 
No, Buffy. I didn't catch that. It was Buffy, indeed, Michelle. Because I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I got it really quick. I'm watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer right now. But she's she's not even from New York. She's from she's from Sunnydale. That's that's California. Yeah. Opposite side of the country. I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but I know enough to know that. Oh, you, you have gotta to catch watch up on your Michael? Yeah, you have to Michael, you have to catch up on your uh, Sarah Michelle Geller. There's also Eric Balfour in it who was in twenty four. Um, I think that one teenager in it was in the sister act. I mean, you're missing out on a lot of stars. I've seen enough enough of her in Ringer, if you remember that, a few years ago. In what? Yeah, I know it. Sarah Michelle Gellar's comeback vehicle, Ringer. It was on the CW, and it was so trashy, it was awesome. She played identical twins, one of whom was a criminal. who faked her own death. Oh, I have not I seen I watched that. one episode. But yeah, I'm, I'm like halfway through Smallville. I've still got loads of stuff to watch. I think you'd like Buffy. I think it goes for eight seasons, though. Uh, so once teams land in the Hamptons, they have to run to Shinnecock East County Park and ride a jet ski to a lobster boat to find their next clue. Which sounds like the fanciest series of names ever for a task. And I did hear that actually there's no lobster fishing around there, and this entire task was just faked. Why Why couldn't they find <laughs> something else? What? <laughs> Seriously, there, there are no lobster boats in uh, in that area of the Hamptons, apparently, so they did have to... Uh, That's bizarre. They sort of put out the feelers about a week beforehand, uh, beforehand and, it's, uh, and, and then they had to just put lobsters in traps and uh, recreate it if it was real. <laughs> you know what's great is that the Amazing Race, you know, is supposed to be... So with millions of people who have watched Amazing Race over the years, they say, oh, it's the one reality show I watch because it's educational. It teaches us about the locations we visit. And now production has completely misinformed people that in the Southampton, or in the Southamptons there, that uh, that they do lobster fishing when it doesn't exist at all. Where's the closest place that they catch lobsters to there? Well, I know they do it in, uh, in Maine. Oh, Zoe. Was that supposed to be a Zoe reference? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of survivor references, did you guys notice that the plane that everybody flew in on to uh, to Long Island there was had the words uh, "One World" on the plane? Yes, yes, because that is the airline group that I talk about a lot. That BA is part of. That who's a part of? British Airways. Oh, British Airways. Yeah, I wouldn't have caught on to the whole airport lingo there. And Qantas is in that too. So teams must now pull seven lobster traps out of the water and replace them with new ones before facing their second memory challenge of the like, putting the country's flags in order. I wish that we could have just seen all the unaired footage of Logan and Chris fighting. Like, they're, this out of all the <laughs> finales we've seen, I don't think there's ever been quite a finale where they just were just non-stop bickering. And it's not even, like, typical bickering that you can't really quote, but there's just, the dialogue was just fantastic. One of the quotes of the episode is... I don't know what Africa's flag looks like. Oh boy, oh boy. I immediately thought of R. Logan when she said that, purely because didn't you memorise all the country's flags when you were like six, Logan? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, just, it was just great too, because, you know, even when they're fighting over the over, over the taxi with Joey and Kelsey, that Logan makes fun of Chris for being intimidated, and I'm thinking, yep, there's nothing more intimidating than local news reporters. And there's nothing more intimidating than Logan shouting at him repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> or nothing that scares you more than Chris shouting, shouting that he's going to take off his pants and then Logan saying, no, 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 no please whatever God. you do, don't take off your pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, that's a real confidence, uh, that's a real confidence killer. <laughs> or Chris or Chris saying that, that he feels like Donald Trump in the helicopter and then getting another confidence killer 
regarding his looks when when Logan says, "Oh, oh, you mean you mean your hair?" I love how over the past few weeks, everyone on Facebook's been sort of rounding on them, going, "Oh, how can they have such an unhealthy relationship?" A, it's not your problem, and B, this season wouldn't have been as fun without them. I've said this about many teams this year, but take Logan and Chris out of this season. Take Justin and Diana out of this season. Take Denise and James Earl out, or basically anyone who's been in this season. If you take them out, the season suffers. And that is the sign of a good season. A good cast, at least. Take out half of the early boots of Canada 3 and you have a worse season. And it's hard to imagine a worse season. That is true. That is true. (laughs) Got it. I can't wait to talk about Canada 3 again and just be mean. (laughs) Uh, So everyone struggles with the lobster pots because it's ridiculously physical. And they probably concreted them to the seafloor. (laughs) <laughs> and we find out that Kelsey and Joey are our third superfan team of the season. Yeah. After, well, fourth, actually, because uh, Justin and Diana, obviously, are Denise and James Earl are, Alex and Adam were, and apparently Kelsey and Joey are as well. We're finally learning stuff about them in the final ten minutes of the season. That's how much producers respected them, I guess. And then Logan doesn't know what Africa's flag looks like. And Kelsey and Joey are the first to leave. And teams must now return to shore and drive dune buggies down the beach to find their next clue. And by the way, Macau? Not a country. (laughs) Well, um, I'm surprised that they didn't put in the separate flags for Hong Kong and Macau. Because they do both have separate flags. They do, yes. They only had one extra flag in there, didn't they? Or was it three? No, there was only one extra flag for some reason. They should have done more than that. Yeah, I was slightly disappointed by this bit of the memory challenge trio that we had, purely because they, when they did this last time, they at least gave them double the amount of flags that they'd need. So it's it's slightly disappointing to see this sort of, not corner cussing, but just not putting in some extra flags. Well, it gives the it doesn't give a team that's far back chance to... Get to the front. Except for Jess and Diana to pass Logan and Chris at the task. Yeah, I think anyone would have passed Logan and Chris at that, ta- that task, though, because as they admitted, they did not make notes. Despite the fact they knew there'd be a memory challenge coming, they didn't make any notes. They didn't remember the flags. <laughs> Rob R- Wilson and, uh, and uh, Eric are both cry from home when they saw the flag task. They cried a single solitary tear, all the colours of the rainbow. Yes, all the colours of the Philippine flag and then whatever... And then whatever beach that uh, Eric likes to hang out at. And suddenly they weren't racist anymore. <laughs> I can't remember. What, damn it. What's that reference to? I'll be the race. Yes, it, well, that's what I thought. That's what I thought, but I wasn't 100% sure, so I didn't say it. Damn it, play the Concords. In the marmalade forest. Said Michael racistly. And at least the, the last half of this leg isn't determined by taxis, necessarily. And once again in the Amazing Race, Oregon gets crapped upon by a team. Oh man! When Logan pulls out the flag and says, "It looks like a, and this looks like the flag of Oregon. It has a wagon wheel on it." <laughs> <laughs> Oregon and India—the only thing they have in common is India having a flag that looks like a Oregon wagon wheel. I would just love a secret scene on the website. Just Logan uh, dissects flags. Yeah. <laughs> She'd probably be very confused if you showed her the flag of Libya where it's just green on it. It's just a green square. I just want to see her discuss flags. So in this final challenge, teams must now build six chairs and arrange them in order of places visited using the images on the backs of the chairs to receive their final clue. And Justin tries to rattle Cassie and Joey. 
Just friendly competition. They know it's the last task before the finish line. They can probably hear the teams cheering from there. Yeah, was it ever established whether Justin and Diana and Kelsey and Joey really had an alliance? Because at the start of the season they did, and then it sort of went by the wayside when they joined the U-turn pact against Justin and Diana. And then when Justin and Diana didn't U-turn them, they said that they wanted to get to the final three together. But then last week they were really happy when Justin and Diana, it looked like they weren't going to be in the final three. We never saw enough of them together to really get a grasp on that. That whole narrative of with the U-turn and Justin and Diana and Joey and Kelsey somehow being in the middle of it, none of it really made any sense. The only reason why that was included is because it's really the only footage we truly see of Joey and Kelsey all season long. Becoming our villains, and uh... yeah, like that whole yeah, it, does, it doesn't really doesn't none of it really adds up too much. Well, with Joe, well, I guess the part that does add up is Joey. I think halfway through the season, saying that he was playing both sides with Tanner and Josh and Justin and Diana, but nothing outside of that. You, it's just it was just sloppy storytelling, I guess, because it all comes up at a random time, so you sort of have to pick out out of sequential order and sort of put together to figure out what exactly happened. And Joey and Kelsey bicker for the first time ever as well. We haven't seen them bicker all season. Because, in Joey's words, he couldn't pull it out. It was just stuck in there. The, the nail was stuck in there. They get two rejections, and then uh, they're the first to leave. And they find out it's the finish line, which is the Southampton Estate, right around the corner from the final task. The first team's check-in will win $1 million in The Amazing Race. And Ernest's chain. And, shocking no one, Kelsey and Joey are the first to check-in, and they win. And then we get terrible Phil puns. Oh, I, I legitimately cringed when Phil said, and have I got news for you? I'm like, Phil, <laughs> Phil, no, stop. He's had all season long, and he's like, he was probably, he probably had 20 jokes lined up for Justin Diana, and then a few jokes lined up for Logan and Chris, and then when he sees Joey and Kelsey, damn it, I gotta come up with something the next 10 seconds, or, or else I have nothing to say. He probably had it ready for every leg that they came second. <laughs> second, as I predicted, was Justin and Diana with Logan and Chris in third. And next season, we get a preview again. <laughs> Last time this happened was so fun, so why don't they give us another preview? <laughs> so next season, it's a cast full of social media moguls. That preview was pretty terrible. I'm going to go on record to say that at least the preview for the Blind Date season, while we, while I was very heavily opposed opposed to it um there wasn't anything that was outright wrong with it but here with this preview you get a sense of what the season is going to be like and wow i'm going to have a really tough time relating to any of these teams compared to any other season of pretty much any franchise of survivor or amazing race or the mole or big brother or anything it's it's just not going to be relatable people whatsoever like we've already heard lots of we already hear lots of Joey and Megan inspired screaming and screeching and and hip lingo and hashtags being used and there's not even a starting line. It's just oh. This is the official confirmation of the rumor that there was no start line and that teams actually depart from their own homes after receiving a text from Phil Kogan. So they had to be ready anyway. Well, they had cameras in the house. It's like yeah, the, exactly. the intro to any Big Brother season. How heavily staged is that? Like, oh, I've just pulled open a drawer and found my big brother key. Despite the fact there's 50 other people in my room filming me doing this. I have to look surprised. Unless, I mean, someone did say, oh, we're starting now. So it makes me think maybe they were told to be ready and then we're going to take you to the start line. And then they didn't. 
Hopefully this is the only time they try this experiment because I'm not a big fan of it. They save a lot of money, I bet, though. That means that's that's several days saved in terms of request uh, sequester for each team at a hotel. And then they don't even have to film any glorious starting line. It's just Phil, Phil can be in his underwear on the couch in the middle of his parents' house in New Zealand and just do the starting line right there and go back to watching episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which he will undoubtedly watch after we recommended it to him on this podcast. <laughs> On the other hand, it then is a logistical nightmare for them because they have to come up with 11 different flights to get teams into Mexico at the same time. Well, they can just re- just route them through uh, an airport in Miami and just have them I all hang out there. I think it's good for a change, considering they all live on, you know, media, that they actually started from media. You should have just got a tweet atting them all in it. <laughs> so, yeah, Mexico's first location, 27,000 miles and fireworks, mud, and fish. Oh, speaking of knowing miles off the top of your head, um, Justin knew exactly how many thousands of miles they traveled at the finish line. I love how Phil how was like... How good you, you that? <laughs> I love how Phil was like, so you know what I'm going to say, right, Justin? Just like, oh yeah, you know, five continents, you know, nine countries, uh, 34,000 miles. And then everyone else is just amazed, particularly Team Texas, who were recruits for this season off of Facebook. And then it's just funny how casual he said it as if it was, you know, just, you know, uh, uh, like, oh, yeah, Obama is the president of the United States and there was five continents, nine countries and 34,000 miles <laughs> at the end. Technically, in the pre-season materials, they said ten, 10 countries. Maybe they thought Macau was a country, too. Well, yeah, Hong Kong and Macau are probably counted as separate countries because they're special administrative regions, technically. But yeah, that might have just been because uh, the finish line was right around the corner from the final location, so Justin might have been able to hear Phil's speech. I think they were waiting as well. You know how they have to have the first team and, and do all that stuff first. I think the real reason why Justin was crying about losing is because he didn't get to win Ernest's chain. Everyone wanted Ernest's chain. That is part of the leg prize for winning the final leg, yeah forget to like that should be a prize on every season do you want do you have your choice do you want breakfast in bed this spit bit kit or Ernest's chain and thank you to everyone who sent in a lot of questions for us to cover I, th- I think there might have been a little bit of confusion because I posted threads last night asking for questions for the podcast as I do all the time and for some reason one of the threads turned into people thinking we were interviewing the teams well, they could be taken for the other, for the other group that, um, we are actually interviewing some of the teams. We can use it then. Yeah. So in an effort to not waste these questions, we're going to answer them anyway. <laughs> start, start with the good ones first that we can actually answer. <laughs> Let's start with Kurt Reptil, who doesn't necessarily have a question but a comment. He says, did anyone else notice the similarities between Tile 27 and Major Race Canada Season 2? Both seasons had a dominant team that won seven legs, and that dominant team looked like a sure thing to end up to win. Ended up in second to a team that only won a single leg on the race. The final one, pretty cool. And we've been making the comparison, assuming Joey and Kelsey win, that this is sort of Season 23 again. Because Jason and Amy had a lot of second places as did Kelsey and Joey, and they ended up winning the season. I would say, yeah, it's closer to being more like season 23, I would say. Well, just with Amazing Race Canada 2, that Mickey and Pete won on the final leg, but Mickey and Pete's personalities are drastically different from what Joey and Kelsey offer the season. Like, producers of Amazing Race Canada 2 
showcased uh, Mickey and Pete a lot more compared to editors barely showing Joe and Kelsey just enough for, for us to be tipped off that they were going to win this season. And then we have a tree's worth of questions from Anthony Williams, who says, was Justin's hat a contributing factor in not winning? Maybe if he'd chosen a Stetson, for example. Because Justin didn't wear his hat for a lot of this leg. And he also says, was this the most obvious winner's edit since Damon Connor? No. I would say Amy no. and Meyer, as we've discussed before. Well, I think we picked up on Joe and Kelsey's winner's edit even earlier, though, than Amy and Meyer. Because Amy and Meyer, if I'm not mistaken, was around Morocco leg, which was episode leg five. I think with Joey and Kelsey, we were already picking up on them being winners as early as leg three, I think, that we just said, oh yeah, for sure they're going to win. And and I think that this was a, compared, like, Mason Race Canada does a better job at concealing the winner somewhat, but here with the U.S. version, most of the time we're spot on in terms of how they edit it. Yeah, Laura and Tyler were a misstep for us. We didn't think that they were going to be winning purely because of how controversial they were with the potatoes. I did, but then I got talked out of it at the very last second, so I looked like an idiot. It was like the first time I screwed up on predicting a winner in, like, ten seasons or whatever my ridiculous streak was. Amy and Maya were a more obvious winner's edit than Dave and Connor, at least, but Dave and Connor was super obvious as well. Uh, and Anthony Williams also says, We've been talking about how dominant Justin and Diana have been, but looking back, Joey and Kelsey seem to have made very few errors. If the green team had gone home after leg one, would the reporters have cruised home? That is a good point, because mm. five second-place finishes compared to the green team, that could they Yeah, I can definitely see that, where it's just a bunch of firsts from the reporters. But if jo- if Justin and Dana had gone home, then Kelly and Siobhan probably would have been the team we were talking about winning so many legs. Because obviously they're the greatest team ever to uh, go out first. Yeah, you know, gossiping about celebrities nonstop and being mean-spirited towards other women is... You know, definitely great preparation to do well on The Amazing Race. <laughs> uh, and Anthony also says, uh, when are the Cowboys coming back? Everyone seems to have forgotten about them. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> People are still wanting them back. I, I mean, are they serious? How many times do they have to lose? I, d- I just, you know what? They would, I love them in the beginning, but seriously. There are so many other teams. Get off the Cowboys. And finally from Anthony, uh, given how little time Justin and Dana got to spend with other teams during legs, should they bring back the intersection or introduce the face-off to force teams to interact more? No, is my answer. The intersection was never really used that well. I know Logan has a twist idea for the intersection involving having a non-elimination leg and just keeping all the teams intersected for two legs non-stop. Yes, I want to see that twist happen where the intersection is not just some twist that just lasts for about 10 minutes in an episode. I want to see it either last for a full episode or go for uh, two episodes where it's a non-elimination followed by an elimination where both intersected teams get eliminated. But the thing is, Anthony, you use the wrong terminology. It's a double battle and everyone knows it. The double battle would be a better idea than bringing back the intersection when you've got a team like Justin and Diana because... If you've ever listened to our Guido cast, Eric from Eric and Jeremy and Eric and Danielle admitted to them that he intersected with them just because he knew they were marked for elimination. So he just had to beat them by half an hour. So he admitted that he deliberately slowed them down so he could eliminate the Guidos. I would like to see the face-off attempt to do in the US version because it gave a lot of life to the Canadian one. Yeah, 
I'm glad we didn't have to see Nick and Sabrina do the kayak cocky task because I think that would have been an absolute mess and we would have lost them earlier. But yeah. Uh, and now the question's not directed at us. Uh, let's start with Linda Pierce who said, Did all the planning, researching, and practicing help or hinder your own race? I'm going to direct this to Michelle. Did it help or it, hinder your race? <laughs> it would help to a huge no, degree. Did, did it? Not, ha- not yes, would it? It helped. Yes, I am Justin here. Yes, it helped. <laughs> In what way? God, because I know what's coming up and I know what to do and what not to do, except not reading that clue. I should have really read that clue. Damn fairy. And Logan, how is it with all the taxis uh, all the time? At any time, did you want to self-drive? Yeah, it was kind of painful going through a race uh, with uh, no uh, with no self-drive legs. Like it's even tough for me because I don't even have a license and also I was really afraid if I had to be put behind the wheel of a car on the Amazing Race. But you know what? It's a you know what the producers for whatever reason with for dropping out as the sponsor just uh, kept us to taxis and I think it made things uh, safer and it led to funnier interactions between Justin and some of the locals in the final couple of legs. Plus, it's the only reason why we got any conflict in the finale with uh, Joey threatening to tear Logan and Chris's ass out of a taxi. And finally for both of you, outside of taking time to read clues, what one thing would you have done better at if you knew what you know now? I would have thought more about my hat. What I should have done with my hat. I wish... There's two There's two things that I would have changed after going through the race. So one is, I wish I hadn't spat on those potatoes. And uh, the other being is that I wish I had thrown myself off a bridge when I heard that the next season was going to be full of social media stars. So, on that bombshell of having to talk about social media moguls next season, yay. Is there anything else to add about this finale? Yes, there is. Did you see many of the teams running into Mr. Big from Sex in the City? Which is very fitting because Justin, who viewers, the casual, stupid viewers thought was a big crybaby, gets to interact with Mr. Big, whose nickname stands for uh, Big Crybaby on Sex in the City. Two things. One, I'm equal parts impressed and disappointed that you know anything about Sex in the City, Logan. <laughs> And two, as a Canadian, did it not insult your sensibilities to see Starbucks? Um, no, because Starbucks is better than Tim Hortons. Wrong. Oh, I Starbucks is so good. Wrong. No. You should see the employees at Starbucks versus Tim Hortons. At Tim Hortons, the employees are always miserable and fight with each other. But at Starbucks, they're a bit more friendly. Yeah, but Tim Hortons and Second Cup, we, we do have Second Cup in the UK. Tim Hortons and Second Cup are both awesome. And Starbucks is just awful. So you're wrong, okay? So shut up. And Starbucks gave me a free s'mores uh, cappuccino once. That sounds good. Second Cup gives me a free large hot chocolate every time I buy six of That's good too. Um, can I just say, the whole Justin crying thing, seriously... Honestly, one woman yesterday said, oh, he cried every leg. They've no, he did not. This, <laughs> I know. They've just run with this and it drives me crazy. Men aren't allowed to cry, basically, about anything at all. Well, did that person watch, I don't know, Survivor Heroes vs. Villains where Boston Rob cried? Boston Rob regarded as one of the best 
winners of all time by casuals? Uh, was he vilified as much? I can't even remember. Yeah, he was called a crime. massive crybaby for, you know, collapsing. I just don't understand why people don't understand passion and excitement and uh, it just drives me crazy. Uh, one thing that I have to mention is that Justin and Diana's 2.08 average puts them equal 13th worldwide. But more importantly, the last team to get a 2.08 average was no other than Valeria and Bogdana from Ukraine. Wow, they have so much in common with Valeria and Bogdana. That's <laughs> hilarious. Not only do they both have five wins in a row, but they both have the 2.08 average. And Kelsey and Joey's company as 3.33 is Keisha and Jen in season 18 and Blair and Haley. Mm. Is there any interesting comparisons for uh, Logan and Chris? Mm. Jordan and Dan and Brent and Katie, and Eugenia and Joyce in All-Stars. What was their average? Uh, 4.33. 4.33, okay. And did you know that with how unedited uh, uh, Joey and Kelsey were, there was a true Fitbit uh, fact that came up uh, after the finale was over. It was cut, though, because they had to show the social media stars. But they said that uh, the 300,000 calories burned by all the teams combined was equivalent to Joey's mother doing Joey's laundry about 10,000 times. <laughs> and I looked at the average of Justin and Diana's uh, race if you ignore the first episode. So if you take out their ninth place in the first leg, their average is 1.45, or a smidge higher than Mark and Robinson. At least they can go home knowing that if they didn't screw up on the first leg... They wouldn't have that record anyway. That's a relief. If they hadn't screwed up that first leg, they would have had the best average of all time. Of all time. Oh, God. Justin's going to hate hearing that. Which I have already told him. I've warned him that I was going to mention this. (laughs) God. (laughs) Because I'm horrible. (laughs) So, anything else to add about this season before we do the year in review when we can mention anything we want to again? I loved that they had a huge, huge super fan in it. First time, love it. Well, I love that they had that we know four super fan teams that we know of. Mm. Even with no, even with no self driving links at all this season, the casting was still fairly strong. And I mean, the task could have been better, but they weren't terrible or anything. So, I think overall, I deem this to be a fairly solid season, especially with the fact that we lost Kelly and Siobhan right away. And some of the other teams that fail early on. But uh, overall, I enjoy the season. Sort of compare it to Amazing Race Canada 3, as we will do very soon in the next sort of couple of weeks at least. If you compare it to Amazing Race Canada 3, it's just a breath of fresh air in terms of the boot order. Mm-hmm. This this was essentially like if the Amazing Race Canada 3 was turned on its head with the boot order. I agree. Because all the stars of this of Amazing Race Canada 3 went by like sixth place, really. Mm-hmm. Compare that to the final six this season, where there was one weak team, one team who I would have been very disappointed had they won, and they went in sixth place. So, thank you very much for joining us. You can join us again next weekend for our annual year in review podcast, all about both of the American seasons this year and also the Canadian season. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, and even if you didn't, please give us a like on YouTube and subscribe and rate the episodes on iTunes. If you want to see what we're rambling about this week, you can tweet us directly at Yattencast or individually at MJ Halmstone for me, at Locus of Aquaki for Logan, and at Bear333333 for Michelle, all of which are spelt in the descriptions everywhere. And finally, if you missed any of our interviews with Mike and Michelle from Razor Race 26, Joe and Bill from Razor Race 1 and All Stars, and Kat and Jesse from Razor Race Australia versus New Zealand, 
All of those are also available on iTunes. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Hashtag 250, hashtag Yentencast, hashtag SuperKuwaki, hashtag social media stars. Peace. Logan!